1: There's so many different variables for the reason you got no. It's not because you're a bad actor or you're a bad person or you aren't very good or, you, you know, like, you'll never get a job. It's just no for the moment.
0: Here we are, listeners. Welcome to another episode of In the Oblo. Here at Backstage, I am here in my cramped little closet, and it's warm. It's warm in here. So um, on today's episode of the podcast, the voice you just heard is that of Sarah Snook, who you likely know from a little show called Succession, one of my favorite TV shows, uh, which aired its second season sometime last year um, and is once again Emmy-eligible after winning a writing Emmy last year. Brian Cox, who's an actor on the show, won a Golden Globe. It has continued to pick up awards. I do think it's a serious contender for the drama categories at the Emmys this year, and I'm just so excited for the Emmys. Emmys phase one is basically underway. Networks are advertising. Talent is promoting their projects. It's the most wonderful time of the year. (laughs) Um, But joining us today is Sarah, who joined us from her native Australia, Technological feat not long after the crisis kept everyone indoors so it was really good to take her temperature and to kind of hear what she's been going through um and obviously just to ask her about her general her training her craft her outlook on life and on acting and auditions in particular she has some great stuff about how to handle rejection. Um, There's quite a bit about self-tapes, including a very funny story towards the end of our interview about just how disastrously a self-taped audition can go. And I think in today's episode description, we're actually going to link to, I'm just looking at our site, we just have a ton of content on self-tapes. But also looking at our site, I mean, if you are stuck at home and you're looking to still audition or you're looking to put together a reel, you're wondering how to do it. We have articles from experts. We have interviews with industry leaders um, This one says, Enacting Coaches 13 Tips for Better Self-Tapes. Avoid this one major mistake when filming your self-tapes at home. The Content Creator's Guide to Casting Remotely. Oh, this is good. What do you use as the background for your self-tapes? Backstage.com has all of the nitty-gritty advice you need in this crisis and in general. Self-tapes are a very important part of the industry for any actor, any performer. Also, as always, we're going to be linking to The Slate, which is our virtual and community-driven content opportunities those are really up and running we have great engagement over zoom webinars and youtube and uh instagram if you're not following backstage on instagram you can find backstage at backstage cast continue to stay tuned for podcast episodes that are coming out now twice a week because it is emmy season and then last thing i will say before we get to this fabulous interview with sarah is that uh this podcast is three years old It is the birthday of In the Envelope, and I would just like to give a special shout out to Casey Howe, who birthed this podcast and said, what if we did a thing that was this and then that thing came to be? So thank you to the team at Backstage that puts this thing together. Thank you to Jamie Muffet for helping make this thing happen every single episode. And um, yeah, here's to three years and here's to three more years. Oh my gosh. All right, let's get me out of this hot closet and get to this amazing interview. After a quick break. This podcast is brought to you by Backstage, the world's number one casting platform. Listen, a lot of the guests on In the Envelope, an awards podcast, used Backstage at the beginning of their careers. It's how they are now in the running for Emmy, for Oscar, for Tony, etc. If you are at the beginning of your career as an artist, here's what you do. You go to backstage.com slash subscribe and enter the code envelope at checkout for a free 30 day trial. That's right, free 30 day trial if you go to backstage.com slash subscribe and enter the code envelope. All you gotta do then is make a profile, upload a headshot and start applying to jobs, to the thousands of casting notices that are uploaded every day, which you can filter online to match your specific talents, your specific needs, your specific looks. Get that dream started today. Check out that free 30-day trial, backstage.com slash subscribe, enter the code ENVELOPE, let's do it. Sarah Snook is best known to American audiences as the fabulously ruthless Shiv Roy on HBO's Emmy-winning drama, Succession. She's worked in theatre, TV, and film in the US and her native Australia, including in Sisters of War, Predestination, The Dressmaker, and Jezebel, winning two Australian Academy of Cinema and Television Arts awards. Here's our interview with the wonderful Sarah Snook. Sarah, um, we're so thrilled to talk to you and I have so much to ask you about because as we said, (laughs) these are strange times. How are you?
1: Yeah, I'm, (laughs) I'm good. You know, it fluctuates. It's like I'm good and then I'm in complete despair and then I'm good.
0: Um, I saw a,
1: uh, a, a, a meme about, um, knowing what it's like to live in a Jane Austen novel for, for real now. And I was like, oh, yeah, that, that's right. That's like, you know, oh, yeah. thinking about um, a cough could mean death, imminent death, um, <laughs> doing crafts with the three people you can hang out with till summer that's that you're going to see with until summer. and yeah, yeah, just a lot of, like, slowing down.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it's it's funny what you say, the thing about despair, like, it's not good to hear that you're experiencing despair, but in a way, it's actually kind of comforting, like, to me.
1: <laughs> oh, it's comforting oh, for me like, to
0: hear from others, yeah, having a tough time.
1: Absolutely, like, <laughs> I, <laughs> I took a photo of myself, <laughs> I showed it a couple of friends, in. I took a photo of myself the other day, because I was like, I can't make my face move, it's stuck in a, in like a, not even a frown, it's like my, my, the skin on my, the flesh on my skull is slipping off. <laughs> I can't actually smile right no. now. I took a photo and I was like, just remember this because this is not like, this is not forever. This is just, you know, what your face is doing right now. But like found myself catatonic staring at a wall for 15 Uh-oh. minutes. And then went. there's uh... something, you got to go like, this is not, you got to get out, go for a walk, do something. Um, yes. ended up having a, a solo dance party that night to a friend of mine's DJ um, doomsday disco thing. <laughs> Um uh, solo
0: dance is a great great <laughs> yeah. idea. Yeah.
1: That's excellent advice.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well yeah, I mean we It's so funny because we're, you know, we're backstage. Where are this is Backstage's podcast. We're all about asking actors and artists for advice. I've just never had to ask mm. about advice for like how to deal with being essentially in captivity and like keeping yeah. your spirits up.
1: <laughs> it's it's wild. I mean but do you know what actually? Um I was thinking about this and, and my friends and I have been talking about it, about how strangely we are, you know, in, in t- people in the creative arts industries that have, um, you know, fluctuating jobs. You're employed for six weeks and then you're not for 12 weeks and then you're employed for, you know, a day wow. and then not. That we actually have we're, – we're quite good at being um, – at keeping ourselves busy or being used to um, – Uh, volatility I guess where like you don't know when that job is going through and right now none (laughs) of the rest of the world knows it's kind of comforting to go like we're all in this together and you know what we've been training all our uh, our careers for this
0: (laughs) Um, right it's actually kind of empowering in a way for maybe for early career actors to hear that, like you're equipped, you're equipped to deal with this period.
1: Absolutely, yeah, and and equipped in the way, like oh God, but you know, mind you, I can't imagine coming out of something like so I went to uh, drama school for like, three years, and I can't imagine coming out of that and going like, right, okay, world, I'm ready to, oh, <laughs> oh, yes, <laughs> oh, yeah, you're just not ready for me yet. That's what it is. You're just you need, yeah. Yeah, I just need yeah. to hibernate a little more, just to gestate a little more, <laughs> and then I'll, 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 you know, I'll rebirth some, some gestate, kind of Just Gestate,
0: yeah. Yeah, I mean, are there, like, are there, or if you've been doing actorly things, like, other than just basic self care, which I think is important, like, how else, and, and the dance parties, are you doing anything oh, yeah. to kind of keep you focused as an actor
1: <laughs> or as a performer? I find that, I find it really hard to do that, um, particularly mm. being by myself. So I, I came back to Australia. I, I'm from Australia and I was here um, visiting friends and family in early February and uh, I got mm. stuck in Papua New Guinea and so uh, visiting family up there and flew back oh. just after Australia enforced the mandatory 14-day quarantine. So I was, like, oh. <laughs> in complete isolation by myself inside, uh, couldn't go outside um, at all. And I know that people are doing that now and it's, that's not sort of a unique experience, but... Um, right. Sort of confronting when you first do that, at, um, having come from, you know, seeing lots of people and family and friends and having quite a social, an act, you know, active social life. Um, mm-hmm. And so I found it really hard to uh, get my head around the fact that I've got all this time and isn't that wonderful, and yet I was doing absolutely nothing of what I could see of value <laughs> In terms mm. of uh, my career, or acting, or being an artist, or creativity, or anything mm. like that, and I found um, I hit a real low at one point. Going, what even is the point, like, <laughs> you know, for uh, an actor yes. to be by oh, themselves <laughs> doing <laughs> nothing, and you are doing nothing? <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, you could be, you, like, the the value of you as a as an actor is to communicate. And what are you doing? You're sitting by yourself in a room not communicating you've got no sort of access mm. to the outside world and I found that um dichotomy really uh, problematic until I realized yeah. that the thing that i had been doing because people had said you know what are you filling your days with because it was I, I think I was the first in a, in a group of friends of mine to really hit the quarantine like isolation straight up and um mm. like what are you filling your days with you're watching just heaps of tv I was like no I haven't I really watch mm. tv and I haven't I'm not even reading books I made a bit of ukulele I oh good a puzzle doing a bit of a puzzle I really don't I get to the end of the day I'm like I don't know what I did with the day and then I realized that I've been calling everybody like all my friends like having really long conversations with people I haven't spoken to for yes. a while and just kind of like getting like airing our grievances and, and talking about <laughs> where we're at in in sort of life and and our, our feelings with uh, you know living through a pandemic I was like, okay, well, maybe that's my worth, you know. Like if you're an actor and you're meant to communicate, yeah. talking to people on the regular is what to do. Um, it doesn't feel like, uh, you know, it's it's um, adding to your career. But then, not everything has to, right?
0: Yeah, it's good to hear um, that. It's good to hear how you're dealing with it, including the the struggles. I mean, on this podcast, we really we we like to hear about the the failures as much as the successes and the the low points mm. as well as the highs, you know um yeah i'd love to hear kind of your i'd love to go back from the beginning and first of all just ask like why acting and since when was when were you bit by the acting bug
1: oh um i don't know if there was like a singular bite (laughs) like a real (laughs) much okay um but my my both my sisters used to used to do acting um as i was growing up and um i do remember sort of like quite young seeing my eldest sister do Peter Pan uh just like Uh a community theater performance of that and she was playing uh Peter Pan and I (laughs) remember I went for it was like a uh it was my birthday it was um my Mm -hmm. you know three or four friends of mine went for my birthday as a as part of my birthday party and um I remember seeing her on stage and the point, at the point where she, where Pin is meant to fly, they tipped a, um, a bed up on, <laughs> on its side and then she just lay down sort of across it like planking basically <laughs> and pretended oh. to fly like that. And when that happened, I was like, oh my God, I did not know my sister could fly. And in this <laughs> sort of understanding mm. what reality was and like, that's a bed and they can do that and then you can pretend to fly. But then also at the same time going like, I can't believe she just knew how to do that. And obviously she can fly. That's it. That's, That's just like the understanding of, like, the magic of theatre, I guess, and the blurred lines of reality. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, and then, you know, I just did it through primary school and high school, always that kind of that drama kid um, Uh performing. But never, like, and I guess I think kids do this, right? You you sort of, uh, you tend to gravitate towards or develop the skills in which you get. Um, Approval or affirmation for. Oh,
0: shit. So
1: people were saying, you know, that's great. You did a great job. And so I would keep doing that. I've been thinking (laughs) about this lately as an adult that, like, what we miss with that is that, like, if you get a lot of enjoyment out of it, but you're not the best, kids tend Uh to just stop or not bother because why am I going to do something if I'm not going to be the best at it or not going to get continual kind of. Validation or affirmation for, sure. it, for it, which is like probably speaks to a lot of what we are as humans. Um, but isn't that sad that like you get to adulthood and maybe have lost a, a skill or a, um, sure. an engagement with something that really gave you pleasure or joy when you were younger? But um, and now you're sort of starting, you know, uh, from, a, from a, um, a point where you could have been further ahead with that if you'd um, pursued it, right. uh, even just for your own enjoyment, even if you weren't going to be amazing at it, but it right. gave you joy. Right.
0: And the, it's likely you'll you'll be good at it if you if you do stick with it, and very few people are amazing right off the bat.
1: Exactly. Yeah, I think so. And um, you know, I think as kids, we kind of we're looking for for the things that like for the yeses. Mm. We're very good at like like theremins for the yes, and so you know Ooh, I yeah. you know you do a you do a marathon because it has it's compulsory in in, in high school. And you come, like, second to last, which is me. And you're like, well, I can't run. I'm just not a runner. It's like, that's not true. Like, maybe you didn't sleep very well that week. And maybe you're just, like, going through a massive growth spurt. You've run that distance now and you're fine. Like, it's like wiping it off the table and saying you can't do something just because you didn't um, top the ladder or what have you.
0: Totally. That's silly. I love that theremin for yes. (laughs) It's very poetic. (laughs) <laughs> um and so then it was so but did your parents do it or was it just you and your sisters who were who were into it?
1: Yeah, my um neither my mum or dad did it. Um but my grandmother, who passed away when my mum was actually quite young, so I never met her, she oh. had um she and her sister studied at the um, Guildhall music and drama in London in the twenties. Oh. Okay, um cool. and graduated like late twenties and then did sort of rep theatre in the early 30s in London Mm. and then she went on this kind of um, I guess great adventure like I read some of her diaries and journals now and I'm like whoa that's wild you went like you were 25 or 6 and you took a boat I guess to South Africa and you arrived in Cape Town and then you drove by yourself from South Africa from Cape Town to Johannesburg to take up a position as a boarding house sort of elocution mistress just to get some experience and and you know need a job situation um I feel like it's kind of of like extraordinary as like a you know 25 year old in the early 30s um but then um in mid 30s and then war broke out the second world war and so she couldn't get back to um her home so she kind of stayed there for a year and then like emigrated on to New Zealand and um Mm. ended up becoming like a director and a producer there and Sort of always having it involved with her life, but didn't kind of um, wow. continue pursuing acting in that sense. But uh, yeah, so she was yes, yeah, she's a... the she's the heritage.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's an inheritance. Yeah, yeah, that's amazing. I'd love to hear about your training and kind of where you trained and what you learned, and whether, I mean, I hate to ask about like an artistic process or a is there a one technique you subscribe to or do you have a style of acting?
1: oh style of acting i don't know i hope um actually the one thing i did learn okay so i um i trained at uh, nida um which is the mm-hmm. national institute in sydney and i think as an overall thing the one thing i did learn was their method of teaching i guess was giving you a smorgasbord like the buffet of uh choose what you want and mm-hmm. an amalgamation of all of these things will be the best thing for you in whatever way you see fit and that I think is the best in that like for me what works is like a, s- a certain style f- of, of acting or, or method or process works for a, you know an action film but doesn't actually work for mm. for pinter you know like you know that's gonna sure. be those are two very different um approaches there's there's a central sort of essential kind of um truth obviously and 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 something that you know you always looking for the the key or where the crack is in a character to kind of get in but mm. I feel like in terms of approaches, they vary by project. For me, at least.
0: Gotcha. Yeah, it depends on the material, but the the commonality is I love that key to a character, and your your job is to what just yeah, that maybe unlock the character.
1: Totally. Yeah. There's like um, uh, what's that quote? It's kind of uh, like, don't don't worry about the cracks because that's where the light gets in. I think that's a Ooh. that I feel. <laughs> I feel feel like that's a good one for characters right because yeah because you want to see those cracks and you want to see um and maybe it's like the crack over here or the key over here that like explodes and just like to to drop it in like to 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 find where you where you as a person and a character meet that um imagined creation
0: yeah, I imagine you must think a lot about uh, again char- character by character. But do you think a lot about well, where do I overlap with this person, and oh, totally, that?
1: yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and I find strangely um, whether it's it's like a chicken or the egg situation because um, I do yeah. find that like characters that I have played or that I have had real um, response from in terms of playing them have been ones that I've had to learn something from. I played um, a mm-hmm. character called Sal in something called Secret, The Secret River and did not feel like her at all. It was a bit like wider, you know, like I could sort of maybe see why I got cast, but I was like, God, I wish I could have her confidence. But having, oh. you know, faked it till you make it kind of a bit while playing her for six weeks, I was like, okay, I could take a little Sal with me. Great, I'm just going to take a little of her. I'll oh. leave all this stuff, but I'll take this part of her. Um, and, you know, like you get, it's a strange thing where you get like a, a practice run at life in some ways of like um what does yeah, it feel yeah. like to do this and then you get to like experiment and then go like okay well uh that was just a mask you were putting on for a bit but now you've learned the lessons from it um mm. and maybe you can take that into your own life i guess that's what we do when we're like listening to stories as well like you you sort of you're kind of uh, putting like they're you know characters like avatars like you're putting yourself into those mm. people's shoes watching things happen and like learning from them yeah.
0: Yeah, like taking another set of circumstances for that test drive and and then, mm. yeah, I suppose applying it to your life but also applying it to your next job or next character. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And then, oh, the worst thing or the best thing, who knows, um, <laughs> is when you get to, like, you get <laughs> older. And I feel like I did, I don't know, I, I uh, my career seemed to, like, quote, unquote, like, take off a little more when I started playing, like, mums when I was, I don't know, 25. Oh. Part of me was a bit like... industry man excuse my language (laughs) like um, I shouldn't be I'm 25 I'm playing a mother to a 13 year old girl that's ridiculous um but for some reason I like kind of understood I mean I kind of understood why and that like I was never really may have my headshot may have looked like the ingenue but like that was never the character I was going to play um Mm. and so playing those kind of more I don't know, not stable, but, like, mature, I guess, roles (laughs) made sense to me. But then, I mean, I don't have kids now, but I'm I'm certainly older than some of the characters that I played or, like, Mm. approaching the age that the characters were. And now I'm like, oh, my God, I should have done this and I should have done that. And, like, what was I thinking playing a character like this? You know, like oh yeah. no like when I do finally have children I'll be like wow you were just you were playing like 30% of what it is to be a mom like you had right. no idea mate
0: that's so interesting yeah. like how often do you look back at a role and go oh I wish I had done this or I wish I had done that
1: yeah I I avoid that but i just not looking back yeah. <laughs> like, yeah I mean I'll think about it and I'll be like all right moving on <laughs> you know, like, yeah, good lesson yeah. to learn but let's not watch it
0: <laughs> yeah well, is that I, I've heard that I've heard that said about auditions. Where, of course, auditions is the opportunity for when you leave that audition room, that is fully the opportunity to um, constantly replay it in your head and wish you had done it differently. Ugh. Yeah. That, ben, what is your relationship with auditions? Well,
1: auditioning um, really got me down for a long time, and
0: mm-hmm.
1: it was something that my mum said, and I said this um, in other things before, but like my mum really, and she's not part of the industry, and she. Uh, but she had this really sage thing to upset, said, she to say, and she um, she said that auditioning, uh, if it's getting you down so much, why don't you think of that as the work? Like it's not the um, the mm. gate to get the work; it's the actual bound. It's like the field already. Like you're playing on the field. That that's the the audition is the work. And when mm. you get the work, and you get paid uh, for the work, that's kind of like back pay for all the work you did <laughs> in the auditioning oh, oh, cool. <laughs> to get to that point. For every other job you ever did, um, and I liked that in this. Just, like, a little shift of, of, of thinking, I guess. Because um, I hated auditioning for a really long time. Sure. And also, like, self-taping started coming up. was more prevalent, like, maybe a year after I graduated. And I remember doing my mm-hmm. first self-tape a year after I graduated and was like, this sucks. This absolutely <laughs> oh. blows. Now I have to be conscious of myself. Now I have to look at myself uh. on tape and see all my flaws and mistakes. And, oh, you're the <laughs> worst actor ever, Sarah. And do all of all that, sort of, like, confront yourself. Yeah. But that's, I think that's a good thing in the end. It's like, okay, well, it's not as if no one else can see that when you're performing. Um, that's oh, yeah. kind of the point. Like, <laughs> you're, oh, you're afraid of revealing yourself like you're meant to as an actor.
0: <laughs> you got to show those cracks.
1: Yeah, yeah, totally, yeah.
0: I'd never thought of yeah. the self-tape as being, like, the self-tape does put you, the actor, a little bit in the casting director's chair a little bit. mm sort of totally. thinking about casting yourself or something.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Which, which is, which is great. And I, I know that, um, after a while, a lot of people were like, I only self tape because I get complete control. And I, and I now mm. I'm like, if you can get over your nerves to go into an audition room, maybe it's better because there's something yeah, about yeah. like the challenge and the risk of, of that, which now self tapes have become this kind of, lovely little safety net of going well i just do it and i send it off and i never hear and it's as if it never happened whereas like <laughs> the audition where you have to go into the room you have to meet the person you have to show up like you have to you have right. to be a, a a full fully formed human being not just like a mid shot you know
0: yeah wow that's, that's so interesting rate. like i do you do you ever give the um do you distinguish between stage acting and screen acting are they very much the same approach because I feel like the that's a dis, that's a distinguishing between auditioning in person and auditioning over self tape.
1: Mm, mm. Um, not by like necessity or like by medium, I guess. In that, like, I don't. Um, mm. I think that, like the key is just like listening all the time, um, right. and and being present. And so, if that uh, alters through stage or screen, mm-hmm. I don't know. Like, I like I like the process of learning about the other person in in the moment more than the performance and that because like if you just listen like this is why working with like Matthew McFadden for instance like I get to work with him so often it's so Mm. great is because like you don't have to do anything you just have to like watch him and listen to him and when (laughs) you're I guess in in a stage performance stage audition maybe that's easier because you're less conscious of the people who are around watching um Mm. but that's true for screen as well because like there's only a camera I don't know it's about the same for me
0: it's just about (laughs) thinking about it now (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's that it's the co-star like you said earlier like it's it's about communication it's not about a solo performance
1: yeah and that can be hard sometimes if you've got a terrible reader like if you've if you're not comfortable with that person (laughs) Like, yes. Or you're doing, like, oh, God, you're doing, you know, the only person you could get to read was, like, your mom and you're doing a, a kind of a seduction <laughs> scene. You're like, oh, God, this is just not going to work. You know, like, yeah. I can't even do this. I'd rather record myself and, and act off my voice, you know, like.
0: Yeah.
1: Like, <laughs> do it one for one. But, you
0: know, I like. Hadn't, yeah, I yeah. hadn't thought of that. <laughs> if your reader's your mom. Well, you mentioned I've never done Matthew. That, but
1: what if. <laughs> yeah,
0: a seduction scene with your,
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah oh, I
0: <laughs> I mean, that's an acting challenge for you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> obviously, I want to get to Shiv. I want to get to like working with people like Matthew because it's I mean, I'm we at backstage are such fans of succession, and you're so amazing on that show. <laughs> but um I want to ask you first about, uh, so you mostly worked in Australia for a long time and then kind of gradually started to make your way over to TV and film here. And I'm wondering if you have advice yeah. for people who want to do that same thing and kind of break into Hollywood as you have.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, 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 I don't, I, yeah, I, so I, um, took the approach of, I wanted to work in steadily in both countries as much as possible, because I am mm-hmm. Australian and I believe in the Australian industry, but you know, and in, in, in terms of, uh, the, uh, American industry and what that offers, it's, it's, it's kind of a global industry. It's, um, mm. You know, if that's what happens with globalisation, you find, like, different countries have different uh, major industries and America's, um, America is, a, you know, a centre for acting in TV and film and theatre, mm-hmm. but majority TV and film in a global sense. And uh, and for me, I, I, I was reticent to do the uh, make the move. Coming from Australia, what we tend to do is, like, Right, you do a little bit of work in Australia and then like you go to LA and see if you can make it. And that, like, that's kind of what everyone else in America is doing, right? That like graduating from high school, getting labeled sure. as the drama kid or the prettiest girl and, and going straight to <laughs> LA and trying to make a career. Um, and for mm. me, it was more important to like uh, find what my own self worth was to offer. So that sort of if it was mm. a no and it was likely to be a no on a, a number of occasions that I didn't feel like a no was a, was the end was like a final mm. sort of nail in any coffin that it wasn't. And this is this is just for me, right? There's like you know yeah. wonderful um, actors and friends of mine who have gone to LA and like stuck it out for many years and sort of and are making moves and and finding those uh, rewards come back to them for the time and effort put in. But for me, it was about um, maintaining a life in Australia that I could be proud of and a career in Australia that I could be proud mm. of. So that I, when I was told to know, it was like, yeah, don't want me, can't have me. I'm actually working in, um, <laughs> in Australia right, right now. <laughs> um, so. yeah, To like, to kind of give yourself the backup to um, yeah. make sure you're being satisfied and fulfilled without, because so often in, in acting, you don't have control. Um, so yeah. where can you find those, those avenues of control and, um, and, and be okay with the, with the flux? Because you have that little sort of right. that avenue. So for a while, I said, you know, I was, a lot of people. When I would see them at parties or things like that, or like you know, friends of mine out for a coffee, like, oh, so how long have you been living in L.A. now? I'm like, I have never lived in L.A., <laughs> but right. I just don't tell anyone where I do live or just announce that I'm <laughs> going to go and live somewhere. And I, in the same in L.A., I was just like, yeah, I live here, of course. Or I, you know, <laughs> like it doesn't. We're so global anyway, and it doesn't really it doesn't right. matter. You can send a self tape in or take a flight or. Yeah, but that was what worked for me. I mean, some people maybe need the all-in uh, feet-first risk to you know, really charge right, them right. up.
0: Right. It's a, it's a, it is a risk management decision, I suppose.
1: Totally. Opportunity costs and, and all those kinds of like economic yeah,
0: things. Yeah, yeah. And it's safe to say you, you, you want to live your life first and foremost, and the career is part of that, but not yeah. necessarily the biggest part of that.
1: Totally, because, because I feel like they're hand in hand, right? Like, if you're mm. a person who's never travelled outside of your hometown and are expected to play mm-hmm. a character who grew up in, like, Alaska, in, you know, in some oil field in the top of the, top of the, um, like, you, you know, your imagination can only take you so far. You've to, like, sure. live a life, have experiences, go travelling, meet people, mm-hmm. um, fail in other areas so that you can, like, bring it back to your work, right?
0: Which just makes me think again of this, this moment in history and how we're not able to, we have to seek inspiration in other ways right now. And it's, it's yeah. frustrating. <laughs>
1: totally. But like, what great, and okay, so there's two things that I think about it. It's like one, what great work, art, creativity, stories, what have you will come out of this. But then on sure. the other side of that, like, there's no timeline on that. that's that's the thing of you know spending two weeks by yourself and going like am I an artist I can't even art you know (laughs) that's two weeks man come on you know like Thoreau went into the woods for two years and wrote a book (laughs) like like you learn that days are really long (laughs) like people have many hours to like lie on beds and think um (laughs) don't hold yourself to the same like contemporary standards it's like do 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 got to achieve now now now
0: yeah and, have, and you have to be perfect. Gosh, I had not oh, thought of Thoreau. Whoa. Thoreau is a great example of
1: this <laughs> it's like, moment in time. What's that thing where he was like, I've traveled far in the woods of Concord. Like that was his thing where he was like, I know every yeah. leaf and tree. And that's his, you know, his travel and his imagination. And that's amazing. And he wrote like one book out of that. Well, yeah. you know, but, you know, but like <laughs> that's really simplifying and, and, and bringing it down to being present, I guess. Allowing right. yourself to slow
0: down. Being present, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he, he was living in the moment with his leaves and his trees, and those were maybe his,
1: those were his scene <laughs> yes. partners. <laughs> yes, and how valuable.
0: <laughs> totally, totally. Well, the Nature's
1: got a lot to say, I guess. She's something right. does right now.
0: Yeah, certainly. Yeah. Well, okay, Shiv. I have to ask about Shiv, <laughs> of course. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's so cool to hear. Uh, your voice, but not Shiv's accent, which I find so right. fascinating. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. First of all, yeah. do you have tips on accent work? I don't know if you've been asked this before, but because we're the Actorly Podcast, you know, we have to ask, mm, mm. where do you train and how do you master such a flawless accent?
1: Um, I, uh, with with accents, um, <laughs> I guess I have like a, a natural ear for them, but I also have mm-hmm. a natural um, fear of not getting them right uh, as, <laughs> as a sort of a good balance. Um, mm. And so I've always like, uh, where people have been like, Oh, that's, that's perfectly fine. I'm like, yeah, but is it? Fine's not perfect. you know? Like, fine. Sort of oh, like, gotcha. Not fine. Perfectly, perfectly fine. It's not good. Um, so I <laughs> always have like gone with um, like a voice coach or a dialect coach for, a, for mm-hmm. a, um, a project that's like a new accent. Um, and I in for, for Succession used um, Jerome Butler, a wonderful dialect coach in New York, um, mm-hmm. and he really kind of gave me again. It's like these little keys of like, oh, you have the habit, Sarah, of putting your tongue in this position for the R, but actually, if you did this, it would be like a, a much easier situation. Mm-hmm. Like you could drop into it faster. I'm like, oh, and then you know, then it works finally, which is great. Um, gotcha. But I and I was I, I was always one of those people who didn't like uh to remain in accent when i was um not acting so like if if i had a same shiv and then i i wouldn't like to then meet somebody and not be speaking in my natural australian accent um Mm. but i've kind of gotten over that for the speed at which we have to work (laughs) in tv so i tend to like stay in it a bit um as much Mm. as i can but then the good thing is like take the pressure off to like go okay that vowel was wrong but the person understood you anyway it's okay. Just keep moving. Gotcha. And what is, what has helped me with that is like, um, being able to deal with the failure in the, in the present moment. And so that when you're acting and you're worried about failing, when it's like actually wor- what it's worth something, when it's like on camera, you actually have a better skill to, to manage that, I guess, more sort of okay. um, broadly. Yeah.
0: How often do you think about failure? <laughs> I guess in your, <laughs> in your acting um, or in your in character or
1: no i mean she doesn't that's what's so great about well, she shift she's doesn't like, no <laughs> isn't that wild she's like she doesn't even i mean she does she said yeah she definitely does but it's not in a way that most people think about really no. because her failure is is not living up to expectations and yes mm-hmm. a lot of us have that but it's not with the um the the other added problem of not being able to eat because you can't afford your uh, rent or you can't afford sure. to, um, you know, like those kinds of like survival things. Like her failure is, is existential um,
0: mm. Mm.
1: predominantly. And well, all of us have existential fears of failure, <laughs>
0: but. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's fascinating. Cause I did want to ask too, like uh, the, you're on a show where you're portraying somebody in the 0.1%, <gasps> 0.001% mm. and it's. I'm going to go ahead and assume that you're not you yourself in that 0.001%. Oh, God, no.
1: <laughs> no, no, I almost, like, didn't want to audition because, like, I don't know what it is to be a billionaire. That's, like, exactly. even my imagination can't get me there.
0: <laughs> right. Like, and the, and you, everyone on that show is just so preternaturally confident. Like, is there just a, a key or a, a secret to playing ultra confident just by nature of being ultra rich?
1: Yeah. There's. It's something about entitlement. Um, ah, and... Mm-hmm. And not um, not ever really, uh, well, this is not true because there are as like, many sort of facets to it, but the belief that you have the right to be in any room because you have mm. um, X amount of zeros in your bank account. Yeah. And that I feel like is a real kind of fundamental thing because that doesn't mean that that person doesn't feel sort of like necessarily like, you know, ego side of things or that kind of thing of going, well, uh, I don't feel like I'm thin enough to be in this room or I don't think I'm um, smart enough mm. to be in this room that can definitely exist but there's something that solves that by going yeah but I could buy friends who think I am or I could <laughs> go to places very easily that you know where I would fit in there's like it's not um it's not final or something there's like mm-hmm. there's yeah it, entitlement's an interesting thing I think it's very multifaceted That's where I started with Shiv.
0: (laughs) Right. Like, that's not, if that's not something you related to, I mean, do you remember your first impressions of her?
1: Oh, yeah. Annoying. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, (laughs) I I don't know. I I was like, uh, I don't know how to play this character. Other than just sort of like uh, having this unflappable self-belief in a way, which Uh actors don't naturally (laughs) tend to have.
0: (laughs) interesting
1: Um, yes but and you know what there's um there was a scene in in the pilot that actually got um cut that that for me was like the key i was like oh this is her this is this is where she exposes vulnerability this is where her um her like her achilles heel is this is like okay this is the real version of her some there's something in here that's like the crack and that scene got cut uh, from the whole Whoa. season, and then put into the second season in episode eight when we're at in Dundee at the V&A. No way! Is oh when wow. she's giving him the um, the book of all the places that they've lived, and um,
0: yes, uh, okay. all the
1: all the houses that they own, and that he's sort of he doesn't really think much of a gift. He doesn't kind of get yeah. the point of of that. And I think that's a real. Um, the way that it was structured beforehand was much more um, cold from him and much more earnest from her. And that ended up not being quite right from the characters. But there's a version mm. of that in, in the second season, which I, I love in, in, in the, that still exists for those characters. Yeah. It just didn't get a time to express it until the second season. But I felt like that was that my way in for me as a person to relate to her as a, um, a character.
0: That is so fascinating that it's a late in season two. It was the scene that kind of clued you in. I, mean, mm. I always like asking, especially for TV, you know, how characters change. You're often told things about your character that you didn't know at the beginning. And I wanted mm. to ask how Shiv has changed for you and your impressions of her have changed. And it sounds like if you're revisiting that audition scene later in season two, then, like, it must have been a completely different context, I guess.
1: Totally. Yeah. I, I, I Yes. But there was, like, foundational kind of building blocks that remain, like her... Um, mm her weak point is her dad and her vulnerability um, mm-hmm. and fear of vulnerability around him, which we see, I think, in in, se- in the opening of season two. That's yes. why she's so reticent, to, I guess, to believe that he would actually offer her a position in the company, let alone, mm-hmm. like, top position, because it's too scary to be vulnerable <laughs> in front of him. Yes. And yet that's the one thing that she would love to do and to be, is to to have an open communicative relationship with a parent, with her father, like everybody, wow, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. But the the main thing I think that changed was like I remember Jesse and I in the first season because I was playing it. You know, the I've been cast and once we started shooting first season, I was like, oh, mm-hmm. well, obviously she wants to take over the company. <laughs> and I said this <laughs> yes. to Jesse. We were I was reading about a scene. And I was like, why is she? I don't remember what scene it was, but it was like, why is she doing this? Because you know she wants to take over the company, right? And he was like, I don't think so. I Anything? Oh. Really? whoa, I totally came at this whole project going oh. in my head going, Shiv obviously wants to be the top, she wants to be the CEO, she wants to be the leader, and now I've been told by the showrunner that that's not part of her <laughs> character. My God, oh. well, well, I have to completely reorder um, sort of like super objective and objectives and like all of that kind of stuff. Totally. Um, but then maybe, and maybe I don't know, because he, he was like, oh, but what do you think? I was like, I think, yes. He's like, okay, well that's interesting I don't I don't think right now though I think she, you know not at all I'm like wow well, wow okay <laughs> but how fun to to kind of in some ways like bury something so deep that you think would be an obvious kind of desire yeah that um that when it does come out it's so like it even side blinds the character that um that she didn't even realize that she wanted it so bad totally. but it makes so much sense for her to want that
0: totally totally yeah and maybe her super objective is is much more foundational it's much more in involving yeah. approval from her father and yeah needing to yeah, be loved sure. that.
1: yeah yeah and 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 that's the way in which she perceives she could get that
0: right Ooh, it's a tragedy it is it's a sad <laughs> sad tale <laughs> Because he just yeah. He yeah. just keeps not giving his children that approval.
1: <laughs> I know, but he and he can't. Like I think yeah. he's a fascinating sort of character. Where, where he like no, but he is also giving approval in a lot of ways, but not in the ways that they want. <laughs> and right. he right. he wants them to do certain like show him love in, in a different way, but not in the way mm. that they are able to or mm-hmm.
0: yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because I wanted to ask, too, like, it's a kind of a unique show in this way where, like, it's not just an ensemble show, it's an ensemble family. And I'm always fascinated mm. by how much of the family dynamics are created by the writing versus the acting. In particular, like, did you look to Brian Cox, his mannerisms or his, I don't know, the, his line deliveries? And do you have conversations with your fellow actors about, I don't know, sharing characteristics?
1: No, not specifically. Not um, in ways of mm-hmm. like emulating each other in that way. But you know, there's a there's a real sort of um, magic of of casting. I think in in some ways, in that like the mm-hmm. chemistry between us as actors and as people seems to be quite like a family. And so mm-hmm. it is. We do relate in in sort of like a beta version of those characters, and not and not fully, obviously, but. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, there's there's like a chicken and the egg scenario with that i think where the, the writers are definitely laying the groundwork for the um for the relationships but then feeding off of what our dynamics are that we bring to the scenes and then and then mm-hmm. sort of um you know extrapolating like building on those um you know like roman and, and shiv how they get along and like you know that was like a a fight scene it was like in the second second episode of the first season but that sort suddenly, suddenly mm-hmm. went oh okay that's how they yeah they're they're right. the physical uh they're the physical fighters like Shiv and wow, Kendall might yeah. uh you know use their sort of brains to fight but <laughs> Roman and Shiv have used like Braun in some way until like you know maybe t- a point in teenagehood where it's you know you can't fight your sister <laughs> physically but they like <laughs> uh, they regress you know um yeah absolutely but I yeah I like that we get those kind of very they feel like very real sibling relationships
0: that's cool. Yeah. Well, and I got to ask too about the improv because it's been said that there's a ton of improv on this show. And in some ways you can see that, but in other ways, it has to be a highly scripted show. So, I mean, first of all, how, how different is each take in a typical succession scene?
1: It's, it's, I think, I think that where the improv line is, is like, it's about refining what is already on the page. So oftentimes mm. we For a scene, we might get alternate lines Um, and and, and Jesse and the writing team are amazing at coming up with like extra homework basically of like here's the scene, it's six pages long, plus we have nine pages of alternate dialogue, (laughs) would you like some? (laughs) So it's like do you want any of these lines in the alternates Um, and you could feed Hmm. them in. But for the most part we do, you know, the six-page original first and then if something's not working um, or we want to try something else and give, you know, Jesse and, and the director uh, options in the edit, that's mm-hmm. when the Impro comes in. Um, mm. And that's where I feel like what the Impro gives us is, is, is a kind of a flexibility and a life and a, um, uh, an ease of like, if you do get your line wrong, it's okay. That's how. That's what life is. Is like you're not. Yeah. You're not talking in full proper sentences all the time that are perfect. Uh, you do sort of fumble sometimes, and it's okay, okay. to fumble on something at, or come up with a new line or a new way to say something uh, if it is in service of giving the character life. Mm-hmm. Um, so there is improv, but it's um, it's like it's built on a really strong writing foundation.
0: Hmm. And you're, to be clear, are you going around, are you memorizing each of those nine pages of alternative dialogue?
1: No, no, okay. <laughs> no, no, no. But I, I think it, um, <laughs> I'm, I'm worried that like, my mu- <laughs> like when we go back to shoot, you know, we'll, um, my muscles will have slackened so much that, um, mm. you know, getting in like six pages of dialogue uh, for this scene. And then what usually happens is like, okay, do you want that? So it's like taking out one building block and putting in another. And uh, I really love that mental exercise that like, where you you learn the the scene in this order but you can't be precious about it because you have to take that line out and put that new one in and that's just Mm. so fun right but my muscles will have slackened with this pandemic isolation (laughs) we go back I'm like I don't know how to do an American accent and I do not know how to memorize lines I'm
0: sure I'm sure that will not be the case
1: yeah it does seem
0: like it does seem like your your approach is always about being in the moment and anything that kind of facilitates that being able to listen to your co-stars.
1: Yes. Yes. And and someone like Kieran for instance, he's just he's like he's a genius. He could he's like an un, you take away that filter and he, <laughs> he just has like perfectly unfiltered wonderful quips or lines or inventions. Mm. Like his imagination is brilliant. And so that, like, it's just again, it's really easy to be in the moment with him because he's—you never know what he's gonna what he's gonna come out with.
0: <laughs> that's so cool! Wow, that's really it's really special. It's like you're saying, it's a magic of casting. It just mm. there's some sixth element at play when there's really great chemistry between yeah, two actors completely in the sure. moment.
1: Yeah, and it's been great also, like having such wonderful guest cast join us um, who have, you know, it's shot in New York. And so we have a lot of, like, New York theatre actors come through as either guest cast or then, like, they become regulars, you know, like Jade Smith-Cameron. Um, yes. I think I'm, from memory I think it was, like, only a couple episodes in first season that she was meant to be and then she's, like, there all the time because she's brilliant. <laughs> but then obviously, like, she's known Fisher for years and then Fisher comes in in the second season and all these, like, wonderful actors who come through and it kind of Mm. that I think suits the nature of what a 0.001 percent lifestyle is as well like everyone at that level probably does know each other in some way and have or at least awareness of each other and Mm. and there's like that baseline of rapport in the New York theater scene and acting that that then is transferred into this bizarre (laughs) you know like billionaire high 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 net worth sort of world
0: yeah, there's a parallel of of the tight knit community. I hadn't thought of that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, Sarah, this is all great. Thank you so much. <laughs> You're a fountain of wisdom. Can I ask you some quick, very backstagey questions? Yeah. Um, we always ask, how did um, actors get their SAG card?
1: Oh yeah.
0: Do you know how you got your uh, yeah
1: SAG aftra Yeah, I I um as in like what job got me my SAG card? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so I did um, a horror film called Jezebel in um, okay. in North Carolina in, like, 2012, oh. I think. Yeah. And, you know, like, speaking of accents, that was, like, <laughs> where, where I was, like, i got to, yeah, well, this is the thing. It was, like, meant to be, like, southern, well, Louisiana, but we are shooting in North Carolina. I didn't know there yeah. was a difference. I should have had someone tell me there was a difference. <laughs> I was too naive and green and too shy to ask. And I remember uh. at the end of the first week, i'd copied i was like i'll just copy um the people around me and so I started doing what it was actually probably more north carolinian than than i realized oh. um and this uh and i spoke to the producer I was like just that so is my accent okay and he was like well i don't know you're australian and you're doing if- an american accent you're doing an accent i'm like oh my god it's like <laughs> So, ended up making friends with the sound guy and saying, "Just, just give me a little like, no, do that again if if I'm really off." Oh wow! Um, yeah, that was yeah. That's why I always get a dialect coach now. Right. This is why you you've
0: become a perfectionist when it comes to accents.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I'm sure I get it wrong, but still, that was more of like a oh dear, that's that's indelible. That's there forever now.
0: Okay. What about um, what is one performance that every actor should see and why?
1: Oh. Film, Um, TV, even theatre? Oh, that is a good question. (laughs) I can't think of one off the top of my head. Do you know what, actually? I watched, I saw Mark Rylance do Farinelli and the King um, Uh last, when when that was on in New York. And I was like right up in the gods, like this sort of steep as hell um, Mm. (laughs) view, basically getting like the top of his nose um, for most (laughs) of it. But what an extraordinary performance! That I—I I was. It felt so intimate and yet fluid somehow. Like mm-hmm. the the sort of the boldness to make those kinds of char- that kind of a character choice. But then also the cadence was like he had really strange ways of um, structuring a sentence, even that uh, where the emphasis was put. And I kind of were well, watching it. I'm like, this is amazing. This is a full. Mm. This is a fully different person. I've never seen a soul like this on stage before. This is wonderful. So, yeah, that was that was one that made me go like, "Oh, f- acting's amazing!" Like, <laughs> actors are amazing. Like, we can shapeshift.
0: Yeah, even from the yeah the top seats in the balcony. That's I mean, yeah. my balance is he's the real deal.
1: Yeah, and it was so intimate.
0: What about what is your worst audition horror story?
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> i don't know if i should say it. um okay <laughs> uh, i did a self-tape uh, uh-huh. yeah i did a self-tape and um it was one of those ones where you're like why am i doing this oh okay <laughs> um, did a self-tape for a thing and i um It was running late and I was meant to have sent it off the night before but then it was getting late and so I sort of um, pre-edited into iMovie um, like Mm -hmm. a title card and the audition tape and chose that one, that one's fine, chose that one, oh, it's fine, I guess. Um, Hmm. And then, you know, just sort of put the two takes in that I liked of the one scene and scene two and didn't uh, end up finishing didn't review it before i, I, I compressed it oh. and sent it and i hadn't um cut out in um in the second scene uh i had a massive actor meltdown and like a real self-hating moment of like oh. you're terrible blah, blah blah blah. all right just do it again let's like oh. right we've got that one out of the way just like like a oh, no. real hellish like demon version of myself the worst, I, I, like a real exposing of the, the bad side of Sarah who's, who's not a friend of mine. I don't like um, it. And I liked the second half of that, obviously, but I put the whole take in and I sent it to everybody. I sent the whole thing off to, the, to my U.S. reps, my Australian reps, for them to go and send it on to a casting agent. And only my Australian agent like four hours later said, I don't, a really very gently worded email came back saying, I don't know whether you've um, uh, edited this in the way that you had intended. And as soon as that happened, like, I knew exactly what I'd done. My stomach just fell to my feet. Oh, my gosh. And then I was just in, in, in panic, panic shock. No, 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 no. Like, how do I get back <sighs> a thing that is intangible that's gone into the ether to international waters? What do I do? <laughs> oh, my god! So I um, – oh god it's just even now incredible. going red i i quickly re-edited and sent <laughs> off and it's like oh something was glitchy with the other one just this one's the right one to send and i've no idea whether oh the other one went out or any, if anyone else saw it oh, and just can hope that only that hope only hope that they like a time zone thing could have saved me and maybe they were like <laughs> too uh, who cares about watching a glitchy one right this is the one you're meant to watch okay right so okay. hopefully that worked but um, oh my gosh that I'm exists so I just made
0: you relive that <laughs>
1: A thing to experience oh also, god I'm sure yeah. that's not unique though I'm sure someone's done that before well, as well. I, I'm
0: sure it's not unique but I've asked the audition horror story question before and I've never heard it as a self-tape because I mean like you said earlier it's all in your control but oh, there yeah. are still mistakes to be made I suppose
1: oh yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs>
0: that's amazing
1: yeah I mean there's less chance but when they're made it's pretty <laughs> pretty pretty bold
0: yes wow okay wow <laughs> Um, okay last question I would love to know do you have do you just have a piece of advice for your younger self if you could go back in time is is there anything that you kind of wish you had known or that early career actors need to know
1: oh um maybe like it's not you it's like it's not some sort of fundamental core value or essential part of you that they're Mm -hmm. saying no to they're saying no for you in this character for this moment, with all the many variables that you make up um, as an actor for this moment, for this character, for this time. You know, there's like uh, financing, and there's um, you know maybe the cast and is in a bad mood that day, or maybe right. like there's so many different variables. For the reason you got no, it's not because you're a bad actor or you're a bad person or you aren't very good or you you know like you're never you'll never get a job. It's just it's just no for the, for the moment, you know, like I yeah. think we take every no on as a, to heart, but, um, it doesn't mean that you you as an essential person are, should be compromised by that.
0: Yeah. Gosh, that was beautiful. Thank you. That was perfect. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Good, good. What a perfect note to end on. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you for joining us. Thank you.
1: It's been nice to chat.
0: It's been really nice to chat. I feel better prepared to take on this, uh, quarantine
1: life yeah man based on your go advice get here. it you're amazing <laughs> yeah yeah. You, yeah you set this whole thing off internationally and in like time zones and it's <laughs> easter you, everyone should be like hanging out with their family and like chilling but yeah man that's right yeah
0: all right well thank you so much for joining us this is thank great thank you